honestly, I was just working my way up to death. I thought about killing myself every day. I was using all the time, and I, that's not a sustainable lifestyle. My brother shot himself because of drugs. When you are using technology to lure children for sexual purposes, there's a couple of problems that concern me. But I remember feeling kind of relieved after hurting myself. Do you have any idea how much you were worth? I like to say it this way, great people are really built in the furnace of affliction. Our teens are navigating a world of information anarchy and increased stress and pressure. Drugs are glorified more than ever before and there seems to be a suicide option that didn't exist prior. As adults, we are responsible to provide the help at-risk teens need. Have teens changed or is it just the world they live in that's different? Is this why so many teens are traumatized or triggered? My name is Aaron Huey and in 2009, I opened a home for these teens with the hopes of giving them a second chance at creating the life we all know they deserve. Now I want to give parents the information that contributed to our success and to support them in navigating the at-risk world. These are the stories told by the teens and the techniques used by experts to help them. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. One of the things that treatment centers, intensive outpatients, partial hospitalization programs, hospitals are experiencing more and more are the questions that come up around treatment, proper treatment, proper housing, proper care, and proper connection and therapeutic intervention for our LGBT and queer communities. Uh, this has been an underserved population. and. The state of Colorado, and I'm on the board of Kafka, uh, the state of Colorado is currently in the process of creating a lot of policies and uh, procedures and best practices around working with LGBT and Q uh, kids. And it is, it's, it's a big question. It's a careful dance. Being an oppressed, underserved community um, and all of a sudden having states come up with policy and rules for best practices for facilities that are still trying to play catch up, there's a lot of questions. So I have Genevieve from Constellation. And is that just Constellation or? It's Highlands Behavioral Health Systems, located in Littleton, Colorado. And we are uh, specialized in acute psychiatric crisis and stabilization. So you're from Highlands? I'm from Highlands. Great. Tell me about Constellation. What is this portion of it? Constellation is a new program specifically around um, queer inclusivity for our adolescent population. Uh, we serve adolescents 11 to 18. We are looking to expand that throughout our programs um, here in the next several months. Uh, we wanted to start out with our adolescent unit as there's such a need in that community. And this is the first program really like this in the state for an inpatient psychiatric facility. I want, I want parents to understand, inpatient psychiatric facility, these are generally three to 10 day stays. Um, this is a lot of group time. These are kids who have been in crisis, maybe have had a suicide attempt. They've had a severe cutting, an overdose. Um, they've had a, a, a depressive, about a, 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 a depression that has been life-threatening, anxiety that's been paralyzing, and they've ended up at an adolescent psych hospital for a minute 
And, right. and minute is relative. Minute is relative, absolutely, yes. Three, three to 10 days, it really depends on each individual and what they're experiencing. And we do work with the family units with that as well. Uh, and with Constellation, I, this is in addition to our regular internship programming. This is not in place of. This is something that a uh, adolescent can volunteer to go to, wants to go to. Um, it will be group primarily, and it really focuses on, uh, it's based on best practices. So building acceptance, uh, emotional awareness, um, building supportive relationships within their friend group, within their schools, within their families, within their communities. So one of the things that's very clear in Colorado policy is that anything that we do that quote unquote scarlet letters a child is not looked well upon. So for example, if a child is in a certain risk status, like, like um, uh, they're in a treatment, they're feeling more suicidal than before, you can't put them in a special color pair of hospital scrubs, right? So how is it that Constellation navigates having a particular program for kids who are LGBTQ and doesn't uh, um, set them apart, set them aside, scarlet letter them so that all the other kids say, oh, they're the, those kids. And, and label them as different. Exactly. Or, yeah, absolutely. And so really the uh, assessment piece for who might be a good fit for Constellation or maybe interested, that really starts on the front end when people first come into our program. Uh, and that starts with assessment with, with clinicians. Um, that also may start with our referral source. We may get a referral from a primary care provider or a school uh, that says that that adolescent may benefit from additional support. Uh, that being said, it's completely voluntary. People can choose to attend or not attend. They may attend one day and not the next. And we also open up that up to our entire community on the unit. So maybe an individual may not identify as queer, but maybe they have a friend or a sibling that does and they want to know more about uh, the community and they, maybe they want to be more of an ally. And how do they approach that? And how do they navigate that as well in their own crystal circle? Is, is Constellation over there at Highlands, you're currently active. This is not something that's going to open. You're open. We, we are now open. Okay, and how are you already seeing the population grow? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Um, when we were developing this, we really looked at any given time with our social work team, you know, who who may be interested in this program so we could really gauge the interest level. And we were really noticing that anywhere from 20 to 25% of our adolescent population was identifying with the queer community in some way. And so there's absolutely, a, you know, uh, Denver is the ninth largest population of LGBT individuals uh, and four, I'm sorry 17.4 percent of adolescents are identifying with the queer community at some level. And does that 17.4 is that how, do, how does that stand in the nation? I don't know okay. specifically how it's ranking but I do know that you know we do have a very large LGBTQ population same-sex parent households um, comparatively. Right. Okay all right so now let's get some of the meat and potatoes about some of the um, why is it that facilities are either um, scrambling to figure out uh, uh, the unique needs for this community or doing what Highlands has done which is making specific units and specific practices around dealing with this community what is traditional therapeutic intervention missing 
I think with Highlands, I want to be clear, it's not a specific unit. Nice. So okay. it is our adolescent unit. And what we have done is just enhanced our programming. So it's more added, programming. It is more oh, gotcha. So instead of, you know, we may have time throughout the day that would generally be reserved for maybe social work um, to meet with the individuals or journaling time, time for reflection. And now we are now introducing the constellation groups during that time. So that is an additional enhancement. With those evidence-based practices, we also have a core group of clinicians who have been identified uh, as specific supports. So if somebody is struggling and needs to speak to somebody, um, they have those core staff members that they can go to. Additionally, we can pull on those staff members into family systems meetings to help facilitate some of that conversation and provide that extra level of support. Okay, let's talk about some of the concerns that I know parents are going to have if they, they have an LGBTQ uh, child who's going into treatment. First of all, the housing. Okay, if they are biologically a female but identifying as male, which unit do you guys have them stay on? Do you guys have separate unit for the kids or is everybody housed in one general area and you're keeping the hallways safe? We are keeping the hallways safe. Gotcha. Everybody is housed in one general area. Uh, we have a strict no touch policy across our programming. And then individuals are, uh, it's part of our policy that they, everybody changes in the bathroom. We have 15 minute checks, if not more by staff members. Everything is very, um, set in stone as, as far as our safety practices. And then with Constellation, individuals may want to be in a room by themselves right. for many reasons. Right. Um, individuals may not feel comfortable being housed with somebody who is not of their biological sex or identity. Um, and so it, it is very much a case-by-case basis at this point. Kind of has to and be. And it has to be because yeah. there, there isn't something set forth by the state at this time as far as policies that we are that we are bound to follow. And so we we understand that we are navigating some waters that are uh, are not completely vetted at this point. We had uh, and it, you know your your program, our program, we follow the exact same policies that you have to. And then of course we have our facility specific ones. Uh, we had an experience with the state of Colorado where they came up. And we're saying, so um, how are you housing the, the kids who are identifying as one, but biologically another? We said, well, we house them on the unit that they are biological. They said, you can't do that. And we opened their policy book and said, you told us we had to. And they said, well, that's changed. And we said, when were you gonna tell us? And they're saying, we're telling you now. And our response was, why are you here? <laughs> like, they're like, this changed at five o'clock last night and they came the next morning to tell us. So we really are trying to play catch up with new rules. Yes. Yes. So how do we honor the kids and the family? How do you guys navigate a child saying, I wanna be with my identified gender? When we still have a state policy that says we can't, how do you guys navigate that? that it's we're still figuring it out it is a case-by-case -case basis we are not assuming that anybody wants to be with their identified gender that's or the piece there yes yes you have to be willing to ask those questions yes um, with every single person who walks through the, through the door and there are times right. with 
are other are adult units that maybe a, a female has a very severe trauma history and they're not comfortable being even near a, a, a male room and so it is it is a clinical decision yes and so that's really what it comes down to is what is clinically best for the, the people that we are serving we I, we have worked with highlands for years we also know that you guys that if there's space available the kid gets their own room i we we know that that and that's it's the same with us we're just these are the concerns that i know that parents have um we've we've been called by a facility in california that was saying how come you guys just don't let the kids sleep wherever they want we're like because we're not california like you have a different set of laws so i want to tell parents who are listening to this is that in the state of colorado we are still navigating massive change for everything that we're learning about these kids and this lgbtq community uh, it's amazing how many of the kids coming in on suicidality and drug overdose are identifying to you or revealing to you that they're in uh, uh, gender questioning, that they're figuring things out as they go. And, and NAMI just released their 2018 report. And what, what NAMI is saying is that 40 to 68% of individuals who identify as transgender have a suicide attempt at some point. This is an absolute need in the community. That's massive. It's massive. It's absolutely massive. And we are seeing attempts that are serious attempts. Uh, you know, this is a, a change in the structure in schools, in the community at all levels, and it needs to be addressed at all levels. And so I'm very proud of Highlands for, for taking this step and creating this program, knowing that we're navigating some uncharted waters in this. And we want to be that support for the community. Right. And so if people have questions about Constellation, they are more than welcome to call us. We are staffed in-house 24-7. I want to make sure parents get that number before we finish. Yeah. You and I spoke. Uh, you uh, you were telling me that some of your training is is doing the social work at the hospitals. Yeah. Now a lot of families that's their first connection when uh, uh, the the crisis at home has blown up. Parents are terrified. The child's taken to the hospital, and at the hospital they meet someone with your type of training who's doing that initial assessment. Yeah. How come you move from there to a longer term unit? Absolutely. My, my history, I'm a licensed clinical social worker, and I've worked nine years in Denver, specifically with acute stabilization. So I've worked a variety of different um, levels of care. Right. And for me, moving from that emergency room setting into something that's going to be, like you said, longer term kind of stabilization instead of that one assessment in the ER, this gives us opportunity to really create change and to build a community around that as well. And we pride ourselves on not only the Constellation program, but the referrals and the aftercare that we're providing to the community. So we have made it a priority to make those connections with providers and therapists that once somebody graduates from our program and is discharged, that they have aftercare that is going to continue the work that we started and continue to support that, that adolescent and family. I think it's very important that you say that because a lot of families have, have come to us because we're a four-month to six-month uh, minimum facility. And a family will come to us and say, well, my kid was in an acute unit for two weeks and it didn't help. 
and my response always to them is, you took your child there because of a suicide attempt or an overdose, right? And they say, yes. And I said, they got stabilized there, right? They said, yes. I said, that's what they're for, Absolutely. right? And, then, and parents need to understand that your type of facility is a stabilization facility after something really horrendous has taken place. We are an acute stabilization right. facility, and that's, that's the key term is acute. Yes. And we are going to work diligently to make sure that there is aftercare set up uh, and encourage that. And ultimately, a lot of that responsibility falls back to the family to make sure that they are following up with those recommendations. Right. Just like you would a general medical condition. Absolutely. If you have diabetes, you're not going to take insulin once and it's going to be okay. You're not going to take insulin for two weeks and it's going to be okay. It is something that maybe you have to monitor and take insulin for the rest of your life. Um, and so we really try to provide that education and support around mental health really being something that must be acutely treated but it is a chronic condition right. that really needs that attention just as you would your, your physical health. Okay, so I wanna I, I want we're we're coming to the end here of our little our little series. So I wanna I wanna make sure that parents have heard your advice when the kid suddenly says, I'm not sure I'm this, or I've always known I'm not this, I'm that or I'm not that, I'm this, and I need you to start. Parents are usually blindsided by this. The child may have been feeling it for 16 years, but parents feel like all of a sudden this has come out. And that's hard for parents to understand. So in that moment, as a therapist, as a, as a, as a social worker, having worked with these kids, having worked with these families who don't know what to do, what's your advice when a child comes out, steps out of that closet and says, so this has been going on for me a long time and the parent feels blindsided. What's your advice? Listen, take a breath and gather your team and your resources because it's not something that is negative. It's not something that's just a fad. It's something that is your child's identity. And that acceptance is extremely important. I mean, we're looking at a, a suicide rate of 40 to 68%. And so that's more than half. That's more than half. And so looking at it as what are my resources? What type of support can we get as a family? What type of support can my, my child get? Um, Highlands is here for any questions regarding constellation or crisis support. We really function like a like a walk-in emergency room. So you are able to come to Highlands at any time, 24-7. That was gonna be my next question. Yeah, we, we people, do. People don't know that they can do that. They think they have to go to a hospital first. Absolutely not. And those level of care assessments are free. That is not something that we charge the community for. Uh, and that is a 24-7 service. doesn't matter if it's 4 p.m. on a Sunday and the next day is a holiday. We are there. And so please reach out to us. Okay. So they need to reach out to you. How do they get in touch? What's the number? What's the website? You can call us at 720-348-2800. We are located in Littleton, Colorado, off of Quebec and C470. And that address is 
Poplar Way, Littleton, Colorado, 80130. And then our website is Highlands, with an S at the end, bhs.com, Highlands Behavioral Health System.com. Genevieve Frazier, 720-348-2800. Uh, be, oh, Highlands Behavioral Health Systems. Yes. Okay, gotcha. Um, Genevieve, thank you. Thank you Thanks so for serving this underserved and oppressed community. Thank you for the opportunity. It's my pleasure. It. Parents, you know the rules. You take care of yourself first. You take care of your adult relationship second. You take care of your children third because in that way we do our best work with our children. And that's not a one-off thing. This is a daily habit of self-care and taking care of your marriage, taking care of your friendships, so that every day you can really give your kids the best help. Genevieve, thank you much, appreciate it. We'll talk next week on Beyond Risk and Back. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Join us each week for your connection to experts in adolescent health and wellness, recovery and responsibility, and also to listen to teens talk about their lives in crisis. For more information on our program for struggling teens or me, please go to firemountainprograms.com, join us on Facebook at Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center, or at Beyond Risk and Back. Visit our YouTube channel at Fire Mountain RTC for even more support with our parent training videos. Special thanks to Mental Health News Radio for their continued love and support of our program. Please go to mentalhealthnewsradio.com to see all of their podcasts. Feel free to email me at Aaron at firemountainprograms.com. <laughs>